It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to episode number nine of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. It's a post-Thanksgiving edition. We always have much to be thankful for. Steve Noodleberg, you're in an exceptionally good mood today, and uh, I'd like to know why. So, uh, my dear friend, Sean Flood is in town today. Just got here from Charleston. Sean Flood will be joining us in a moment. Correct. He'll be our guest for episode number nine. Charleston, South Carolina, one of our favorite cities, one of my favorite cities. You awesome. spent a lot of time there. I spent time with uh, Sean and his company, oh, so which is great. So uh, that's we're, why we're having a good time there. But there is so you know what a great holiday weekend. I, I think there was a billion dollars spent on uh, Black Friday, really on, online. Uh, some numbers retails like that. up, retails up. So retails up. So that's good for good for everybody. I think everybody mm-hmm. feels that there was yep. some crazy football. Um, glad I'm not uh, in line to be the coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. That situation's a mess. Ooh. As the father of two boys that are in right. college football, you know that, that situation. So uh, Dan Mullins in Gainesville, uh-huh. really excited about that. That'll be good for my boy. And what's the best thing that you ate on Thanksgiving? So we stayed home and did... Because uh, I know it wasn't humble pie. No. I we, never we know, you, know you never had a slice of that in your life. <laughs> we know you've never, you never sampled that. What is humble pie? <laughs> What is this pie of which you speak? Is it like pecan? What? Is it more like pecan? Or is it more like pecan? Uh, we got off the road and spent the day cooking ourselves. We made a turkey. We made all the fixings. And for me, the best part was leftovers. Was eight, oh, without you know, question. So watching football, just without chilling question. out. I'm still was, on leftovers. Oh, it's crazy. The current, I can't look at turkey anymore. The current UFC welterweight champion in the world, our friend Tyron Woodley, was like, anybody else still doing leftovers? And I'm like, yes. Last night, Monday Night Football, I'm doing – and I ran out of turkey, so I'm going to the store and buying, like, <laughs> microwavable frozen turkey so I can just use it with my – because I still have leftover sweet potato casserole, a little bit of leftover uh, stuffing, and, uh, and, and cranberry sauce. Uh, so – yeah. Was it you who said something about the expiration date? <laughs> I made a mistake. On Sunday night, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, Sunday night, I for Sunday Night Football, I was like, ooh, leftovers again. And the, normally, you know, the cranberry sauce is refrigerated. And in this instance, I'm like, well, it tastes funny. It's probably just because I just opened the can, but it tastes kind of metallic. Something's not right. So I got done eating. When I got done eating, I got off because I eat like sitting on the floor at the coffee table watching TV. And I get up and I check. I go, I'm about to check the can of that cranberry sauce. And it said expired <laughs> April 12th, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, that's why it tasted funny. Hey, now. That's why it didn't taste so That's great. Awesome. But anyway, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, good yep. stuff. Thanks for pointing that out. It is episode number nine of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman. You're full, well aware of the book and all the guests and relationships to Steve along the way. And you said the reason that you spend all this time in the gorgeous town of Charleston, South Carolina, is because of this young man who is our guest today, who is from the Gotcha Group, the CEO of the Gotcha Group, Sean Flood. Welcome. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here. You got, you got applause. You got four claps oh, from one guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's the crowd fantastic. Went crazy. They went bananas. Four yeah. claps from one guy. Yeah. So just imagine, if there was 10,000 people here, be 40,000 claps. Crazy. Uh, welcome. Nice to have you with Thank us. You. Uh, Steve speaks very uh, highly of you. 
for some reason. And likewise, you do speak highly of Steve as well. I How think did we you pay go- him now. Is that, that's where the first I do get thing. a check. You do get a check. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Uh, tell us about how you guys came together because what Sean and his company have done is in a lot of ways revolutionary. Is a lot of ways like obvious, like, hey, why didn't somebody think of this sooner? But they're killing it. In the game, they're killing it. And you know you're killing it when you're emulated and people are attempting to try and duplicate it. With, without, you know, re- really well said, as you normally do. So qualifying it first, that this is the best 30 minutes in sales. We're going to learn something here. I've heard that. Sean is, I read that. Sean is a career entrepreneur. We actually met uh, almost 10 years ago in Tallahassee when he was providing these free electric car rides through the campus of, of FSU. All right, so to give the visual, it's like a, it's like a long extended uh, golf cart. Correct. It, it's a rechargeable, and, and you're getting people from point A to point B. It's like a little shuttle service, if you will, but independent of the university. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when we originally started Gotcha Ride, it was in partnership with FSU. The idea back then was free point-to-point transportation for college students brought to you by brands. And this is in a pre-Uber environment. Right. So students getting around without having to drink and drive uh, mm-hmm. was revolutionary. At oh, the time. it was great. I, I, so I went to Tallahassee to visit Mark, my older son, who was coaching, brought my younger son, Jake, and we meet Sean, and he basically drives <laughs> us all over <laughs> campus, daytime and nighttime, <laughs> and was responsible for getting my nine-year-old son yeah. into every bar in, in Tallahassee. He was my idol. He was my idol right from the start. So from the beginning, you recognized the entrepreneurial spirit that he had. And you also recognized that he was out of the game. He he was so, um, you know, and this is what I love, that spark, that passion that people have. He, you know, exuded it. He said, I have passion to do this and I want to build it. And for me, it's awesome to see 10 years later the fruit of all that labor and what he's been able to put together. So I think, you know, one of the takeaways is always you have to have patience and persistence, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing something 10 years, starting from one, one car to two cars to then multiple college campuses to now over 150. It's um, amazing. It's unreal. It's, you know, I love seeing and hearing stories like where that. does the name, the gotcha group come from the gotcha part? What a great the gotcha. Yeah. Great, great question. So when we created the idea, we knew that we wanted a partnership with schools. We knew we wanted something fun and we didn't yet know that we wanted it to be uh, like a word that people, people kind of yelled out, but mm-hmm. we were just whiteboarding and I knew I wanted it to be an acronym. So it stands for Green Operated Transit Carrying Humanity Around. Ah, so there's meaning behind it. There, there is. Yeah. It's an acronym. Yeah, yeah. and it, it kind of evolved into our mission statement as we grew the business and, and added additional kind of products to, to our offering. We wanted it to fit into this kind of sustainable business model. So the business model itself, uh, we get the idea. Uh, it is a carts that will pick you up and say, we're going to get you from point A to point B, college campuses, et cetera. Subsidized, sponsored by brands, right, in some capacity. But uh, as far as the business model, how else does that operate? Yeah, so it's evolved a lot. I mean, 10 years ago when we first met, I had no gray hair uh, and was, <laughs> was bouncing around one college campus. As Steve mentioned, we've been fortunate enough uh, to, to hire the right people, expand. We've acquired some other companies in the past year or so. And today we're a mobility and media company focused on college campuses. Mobility and media. Yeah. Okay. So sounds exciting. It does. Yeah. Go a little deeper on that for me. So the mobility piece of our business is Rideshare, our original Gotcha Ride product. We then designed a turnkey customized bike share system called Gotcha Bike uh, that we build right here in the United States. We build our bikes in Charleston, South Carolina. 
game changer in my opinion wow. that that we're building bikes in the u.s yeah that is uh, you know a, a few hour flight from, from quality here. quality bikes too i mean not you know really great product yeah i appreciate it i mean we spend a lot of time on on that that fact that we feel passionate about building it here so we have these ride share bike share we deliver these custom turnkey systems to college campuses and then we give brands the opportunity to interact with college campuses and students on and around campus so that's the the mobility side of it. Mm-hmm. The media piece is our event activation business. So you want to run, got your rides around the Final Four, we, we got you. We can handle that. Mm-hmm. Fully branded vehicles, taking people uh, from A to B, brought to you by Brand X. And then we are really fortunate enough now to own the largest college out-of-home uh, billboard network anywhere in the country. So we have partnerships with 150 college campuses, 2,000 out-of-home billboard faces on these campuses, and we've got a killer team selling that space to brands that want to reach students right on campus. Wow. And I can see why you're a fan, Steve. Well, well, I'm actually working with the team, you know, which is really exciting for me. So, you know, years and years of maintaining a relationship, and we had done some business along the way with our friend Warren Struhl, who was one of our guests before with Mm -hmm. the the, the product there, but... um, you know, I brought Sean an opportunity. He saw the evolution or the bones of how I brought that deal to him and then said to me, he goes, I don't know, maybe we should be working together. And I was like, really? I yeah. go, you know, and, you know, so, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. Well, as everyone knows, the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast is based upon Steve's book, uh, the same title, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders That Will Change Your Life and Business. And we always focus on a couple of these rules. And today, we go back to rule number eight, learn to earn. Give a quick synopsis of what that means to you. And then I want to get, obviously, Sean's take on what he sees as the idea of learning to earn. So, like you would water a plant, we're all, I think we all need to grow. And in order to grow, you need to learn. You need to be open to learning. Um, You need to be open to what I call aha moments. Mm -hmm. Things that you didn't know that become part of your soul and part of your being. And they're not only about business, they're about life and about everything. So opening your eyes up, I mean, I told people I le- recently learned how to box, and people would go, why? I didn't know how to box before. Right. Now I know how to get the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of, it's funny. But I could have showed you that. When you speak to... <laughs> From <you>. experience. <laughs> It's not a hard thing. No, it's easy. I teach but, you a couple key words that help every time. Boom, every time. Oh, there's a couple of doozies. <laughs> yeah. so, so one of the takeaways for me looking at people who have been successful is that they all have this passion for learning. They want to acquire knowledge and turn it's knowledge. It's a common denominator. Common denominator. They turn knowledge into power. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it, it's something that I live my life by. It's made me a better person. I'm open to it which a lot of people are closed, um, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. I have a growth mindset. I want to grow. I want to learn. So, people have a tendency to only learn what they need to learn. Which is a they fixed have a tendency mindset. Like, well, what do I need to get my degree? Right. What do I need to get certified? What do I need to get my license? What do I need to know for the – and then that's the bare minimum. What do I need to know to finish putting together this Ikea coffee table? And then and no done. further. And then done. Right? right? They have a tendency to do so. But those aren't the outliers. Those aren't the folks that reinvent. Those aren't the entrepreneurs. Those aren't the inventors that change. Those are the game changers. Those are not the game changers. No. So, you know, what I've seen and learned, you know, on my own is that like a, another friend of mine told me he was going to learn how to roll sushi. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would you want to do that? And he mm-hmm. goes, 
chicks dig it. <laughs> So there's, like, a, there, there's an end game. There's yeah, a modified course, parenda a, there. Yeah. Sean, what does it mean to you? Learn to earn. This rule number eight in uh, Steve's book. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's to me, it's one of the best ones because I have been been raised by two entrepreneurial parents who always taught me to constantly be on the lookout for for education. You know, they did a great job of putting me in the best schools and working their their butt off to make sure that I had that. Uh, but what they really taught me was what happens outside of school and just conversating with people. And I learned it at a very young age from my parents that everybody you interact with, you're learning something. And what I've noticed, and it's, it's been great uh, getting to know Steve, is that we met 10 years ago and we could have had a conversation. And if there wasn't an immediate opportunity, like a lot of people like washed our hands and walked away. Right. But we learned from each other at that moment. We continued to do so, even though there was no money changing hands right. over the years. And then sure enough, 10 years later, I'm in a completely different position with my business. I know what I don't know as I'm growing that business. And I'm like, I know somebody who said a lot of things that taught me about sales. I got to call Steve. Right. And Steve, that was a key foundation early in the podcast, episode one or two, where you said, hey, it's not about let's do business today right now. It's developing that relationship. It's vibing with someone. It's learning from each other because eventually there'll be a point at which it makes sense for everybody. I mean, the best part of that story, which reminds, it reminded me of something, a conversation yeah, you and I true, had two months ago. True. The, the best part for me that it reminds me of is that this past uh, St. Patrick's Day, I actually went to mm-hmm. Charleston to their company party. I was going to go visit, great town I was gonna go visit my dad. He told me Which St. was Patty. the best St. Patrick's Day party you've ever been to, By right? Far. I mean, gotcha. It's a great town for Yeah, a great town. Savannah, right? Savannah <laughs> yeah. and Charleston have... Because, of course, they're big Irish cities in American uh, folklore. Oh, yeah. You know? Of course. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, there's a lot of retired New York policemen that live in Charleston. That are and Irish. the last thing I remember that night was actually walking into a bar <laughs> and seeing... Retired New York policemen in kilts with bagpipes yeah. and doing their dance. And yeah. I really don't remember much of anything else. But, I, but the yeah. point of that story is I that I went as a friend and, mm-hmm. you know, learned and saw the stuff he was doing, saw their new office, whatever, not with any intention of, you know, what's in it for me. And I think that's where people go wrong. It's like always what's in it for me. I was, hey, what's in it for you? Hey, you're trying to get into this school or that school. Hey, I know somebody. And. So it really always starts organically and genuinely, and then if it turns out to be something that you can work together on and have a transaction, yeah. great, but that's not the motivation. See, now, Sean, I've, I've had an entrepreneurial spirit my entire life. I'm a dreamer. I'm not always a doer. I begin. I don't always finish. And I always have great ideas and share with others, and sometimes they go and do it, and they get wealthy. Sure. So you had an idea, and you had the benefit of an entrepreneurial household, as you said, both parents, that encouraged and fostered that ideal, but... You actually had this idea. You saw an opportunity. You created, if you will, a segment. What don't people do? What's the mistake they make? Because a lot of folks are dreamers. They got big ideas. But then what goes wrong? Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a simple thing. It's, it's work. Uh, what, what gotcha was 10 years ago when I convinced Florida State to let this kind of harebrained idea come on campus and what it is today, they're, they're completely different companies. Sure. They don't even belong in the same kind of sentence. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that on day one. Everybody who's like, I see the finish line on day one, they're just wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is people don't get up every day and do the work and they maybe do the work for a little bit and they're like, this is hard. Um, And they, they fade away. I think getting up, doing the work, being okay failing. I mean, I can make a list of more failures over the past 10 years and a handful of key wins 
that changed the game. But I failed significantly more over that period of time. I just believed that we were building something that fit a need for universities and for brands. And that if I stayed in it long enough and believed in it and was open-minded to kind of learning what, what I had, you know, from, from my failures, it was going to be a better business. I think a lot of people think of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial uh, ship, if you will, as meaning working for yourself. And I think the misconception there is they think, well, if I work for myself, I'm not really going to have to work. But actually, you're going to have to work probably five times harder than a structure and system that's already in place. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there's this, uh, this idea now of entrepreneurship that's like, I just want to wear jeans to work every day, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and, and make, my own, make my own schedule. You ask my, my wife and two boys under three right now if, like, we just get to play the day as we go and kind of, like, goof around, and they would, they would disagree. It's, it's more work because you do have a boss. And then as you build a team, you are responsible for them. So this idea has to really, has to really work. So Steve, that's the misconception. Steve, you lecture and coach and teach on sales. Isn't everyone, as we develop our brands, and that's what this is now, right? This is the era of our individual brand. Here's who we are, is what we are, is how we benefit you. So I was in conversation the other day with a young lady who's kind of in independent sales. And I said, for me, it's simple. It's four things. The person that you're going to do business with, how do you make their life easier? How do you make them money? How do you make them look good? And how do you help them get sex? And, and those are the four <laughs> things that people care about. And maybe not in that order. And maybe not in that order. <laughs> but but, but isn't, isn't that, am, am I wrong? Uh, yeah. When you're going to do business with someone, it's going to be a partnership. Or you're going to go to work for someone. You're going to do business with them. They're thinking, how are you going to make me money, make my life easier, make me look good? And maybe there's a friend there that I can get look good and then get some sex from somebody. Right? <laughs> I, I think you're, you're spot on. I think a lot of it is, you know, and we talk about it a lot in the presentations I do is, how do you show up? If when you show up, you make that person feel good, mm-hmm. feel good about themselves, that's half the battle, you know, in, in understanding that. And so, you know, dissecting all of the salespeople and the sales strategies that we get into, I try and make everybody believe that they are a franchise unto themselves. So somebody that's working right. here at ESPN or somebody that's working at the Gotcha Group, you know, the Gotcha Group is who they are. But you are a franchise, just like if you wanted to buy a McDonald's or a Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. They, it surprises people that there are Dunkin' Donuts that are not successful. So, you know, I say, what's the common denominator? What's the reason why one Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. is more successful than another? And it's always the people. Right. So it's what you always put into it. It's always the people. Yep. So, you know, this responsibility about how you show up, what you do, how you perform, you know, and what your intent is. You know, what, what, what's your intention? Are you there to take money from people? Well, that, that game is tough. <laughs> sure. That's a tough game. If people don't sh- like to hand you no. money. No. They like yeah. ROI. There's so much more what's defensive in it for me? now. Absolutely. And rightfully so. Mutual benefit. So now if you show up authentic and genuine and say, here's my value proposition, whether you like it, whether it's good for you or not is irrelevant to me because I want to make a connection with you because my bet is is that you'll know five other people uh, exactly. that it could work for. Exactly. And that's kind of that whole mentality of yep. it will come to you if you build it. Right. You know? And what was that movie? Field of Dreams. If you build it, they, they will come. Right. And, and you know, to me, the, the years later, the proof that keeps coming back from people that I did something with or met years and years ago who then come back, it works. All right, let's move on to Rule 16, also from the book. We went from 8, Learn to Earn, to TGIS. We touched on this very early in the podcast, but TGIS stands for what? 
So uh, most people have this uh, know the word TGIF. Right. So it's thank God it's Friday. And when I hear employees or salespeople come in the office and go, you know, TGIF, that means that they're quitting at 12 o'clock. They right. might as well go home. Thank God it's almost over. Right. They're thinking about happy hour and all of those things, you know. And so, I, you know, we created this thing called TGIS, which means the grind includes Saturday and Sunday. Somewhere along the way, someone said it's okay to take your hands off the wheel on Friday afternoon and leave it, drive itself until Monday morning. Sean, do you do work on Saturdays? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, do you do work whenever you need to do work or are you governed by the clock and the calendar? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, there's no there's no Saturday or Sunday as it relates to kind of being on or off uh, something you care about. I think the idea that it's work maybe is what derails people, but there's a certain amount of things that we have to get done that we want to get done, mm-hmm. and we need the two extra days. That's exactly right. There's no and, other way. And, I, and I, I talk about it all the time, the, the ways that I've connected with people, serious senior people who on a Saturday morning at 7 o'clock email me back because that's the only time they have to do right. that extra thing for them. And if you're unavailable for two days, mm-hmm. it's in two days in our universe. Might as well be. TGIF works for uh, if you are on working on a, on a factory on an assembly line, right? And and, and your your job is to put A into B and tighten the jar. And I don't even it. think it works for that. And, and, but, but but if you're an entrepreneur, there's no such thing. If you are selling, if you're developing, there's no such thing as okay, good. It's Friday. It's over with. You know, and it's not working. Or you're doing the wrong thing. If you if you say TGIF, you're probably doing the wrong thing with your life's work. With Right, with everything. Saturdays are rich for me. I get up early, as I do every day, and I do some prospecting, and I do a, my, you know, my normal morning routine. That frees me up to go out and do the things I want to do with my family and my friends and whatever. But it's not the, the mindset of, oh, it's the weekend, and that's my private time, which I've heard salespeople, and you know, I'm consulting with them, and you know, managing the clock as it is in sports is just as important in your life. Gotta manage the clock, you know. So you know, if you're willing to give up all those hours and still expect the same results, it just can't happen. It's physically impossible. Benjamin Franklin wrote, "The harder I work, the luckier I get," and that was 230 years ago or more. Right. More. Uh, that's kind of the theme that applies here today, right, Sean? The harder yeah. I work, the luckier I get. It's funny how people say, "Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky." Well, really? I had this conversation with a friend of mine. She's the movie reviewer at Fandango. She's a beautiful blonde woman. She's in Hawaii right now with The Rock and Kevin Hart. And I, we were messaging the other day, and I said, how tired of you getting DMs from people going, oh, my God, you're so lucky. Yeah. It, it, luck blows my mind all the time. I mean, I, <laughs> I hear it constantly, especially now. Like, you know, nobody said I was lucky when my wife and I were, like, checking the mailbox, hoping to God checks came in so we could keep the business going. But now yeah. that they see two offices and big team and all that, like, you guys got lucky. And I'm I got to call bullshit because it just, it's just they weren't right. here for nine years of like right. daily, daily kind of hustle. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, what Steve's doing for our team, we're lucky enough that we've got this great, young, energetic team uh, and they're unbelievably hardworking. And when you talk about working on Saturdays or Sunday, I think it's resonated uh, because it doesn't mean you don't spend time with your family that mm-hmm. we expect, you know, 10 hour days, including Saturday or Sunday. But if you care about the business that we're building, and that's what we're doing, is building something, you will want to get up and think of things that can affect the business for Monday. Right. Like somebody who stops at the end of the day on Friday and then picks it up on Monday it doesn't believe in what we're trying to do anyway. Right. Um, 
But look, I'm yeah. still one of those guys that Sunday night is a school night. <laughs> you know? yeah, me too. Still, I prepare. I'm me already too. thinking about, you know, in my days when I was in the phone business, I used to start getting those calls and they would give me anxiety. You know, my yeah. partners and friends, you know, they would go, oh, boom, you know. But now I embrace that. You know what? I'm preparing so that when I wake up Monday morning, I'm ready to go. I'm not thinking about all the things I need to do. There's a game plan in place, and I'm ready to go fire. And-, and technology. I mean, guys, with smartphones, it's a blessing and a curse, but it also means that you can get a little bit of work done whenever and wherever you so choose. The old days of I got to go to the office, and I got files, and I got to stay at the office, there is the opportunity now to be, you know, I always thought the, the, the most important lesson you learned going away to college was just the time management of being at college. It wasn't anything Probably in the classroom. Right, right? It was just... When can I use the dryer? self I got to get these clothes dry. <laughs> right. right? When when can I get the homework done? Because I'm definitely going to hook up with her, and I'm also getting drunk This tonight. shirt yeah. stinks. I got to get it taken. Right. <laughs> and I need that shirt for this purpose, right? The time management. So technology aids in that. But if you don't have, if you don't have the desire to be working, as you said, Saturdays and Sundays, then what you're doing is probably not what you should be doing because you don't have a passion for it. Yeah, that's right. And, and part of it is a plan. So technology is great. You can go off the rails and work 24 hours a day and ignore your entire personal life. And, like, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a plan in place that carries over to the weekend, and as Steve mentions, he likes to get up early, spend time doing X, Y, and Z. If you look at him on social media, he's not, like, sitting in the library uh, Saturday afternoon. You know, he's having <laughs> a good time out of the pool. And that's the takeaway is that if you put in the work and you plan accordingly, you can still have a really good Personal life, I'd argue you could have a better, better personal life. Better, right? Exactly, like, right. Yeah. Because you put in the the. the I mean, kind people of say time. to me, they go, oh "My God, you're flying back and forth to L.A. all the time." Mm-hmm. Wow, that sucks. And I go, "You know what? I do more in that four and a half hours than right. most people do in a month." Oh, you yeah. know, so it's you know, all of the technology has made it to your point. You can do the work anywhere, anytime. Accessibility, and I look at it like the ocean. It's a rhythm. I put stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And then I wait for it to come back. If you don't put anything out there, you have no shot of anything coming back. So the more I put out there, the more opportunity I create on my own. And I see it on days when I get stuck, you know, or or doing a speaking engagement in the morning and I don't have that full time to really put stuff out there. You don't get the same return on your time. So, you know. I've heard people use this a lot, you know, return on investment, return on investment. And it doesn't have to be a number. Well, true. It doesn't doesn't have to be a bottom line, you know, dollar amount. So so for me, I'm an investor. I invest the time to get what I want. Right. But I think there's a big paradigm shift, and it's return on relationship. You know, where am I getting the return on the relationships that I'm developing? This one's a doozy. I get to work with a friend. I get to work in an exciting business. I get to work with young people who basically have received me really, oh, yeah. really well. They were like, wow, thank you for you know this company bringing you to us. So it's fantastic. We've had a great time. We have great big deals in place. So what, what could be bad about it from putting in that extra work of developing just as many relationships as you can not as many sales. Sean, final advice, final words for those that say, well, I listen because I learn and grow. You did it. You made it. You thought it. You worked it. Your, your, your final words to those people listening now that, that want to grow, that want to do better, that want to continue to learn would be what? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think Steve's book's a great starting point. You, you have to know what you know and know what you don't know really well. Knowing what you don't know is, is every bit and sometimes more Ooh, important. More, more important. I mean, I, I, by nature, have always thought that I'm a good salesperson and able to kind of grow the business. But you get to a certain point and you're not a sales guy. You don't know how to teach a sales force of 30 people. You know where to go to find that, find those resources. Game changer in, in growing a business is to find those right people. And then again, kind of two ears and one mouth, like keep listening and learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my wife daily tells me that, you know, can you stop like with the conversations? And I'm, I'm literally just trying to enjoy the conversation. And I guarantee you at some point there's going to be something that pops back into the into my mind that I learned, you know, years, years ago. So and that's so being social, but that's also learning. That's we, right, we were right. having dinner last month and he said, I want to, I want to tell you something. I want to tell it to you fondly. And he said, you remind me of the Teddy Ruxpin doll. Cause he would ask me a question and just pull the string. <laughs> and say, Except your batteries never run out. <laughs> no, and that never. You're the energy. Out. You're the energizer bunny and Teddy Ruxpin. Love it. Man. It's yeah. And I imagine everyone remembers Teddy Ruxpin was a toy in the eighties. Was a oh, teddy God, bear. I hope so. You put batteries in them and a cassette tape and he would read your kids stories and he was creepy, but it allowed parents to go do other things instead of parents. And similar to Steve, <laughs> they're cool again now. Yeah, like Teddy Ruxpins really? are like flying off the shelf. Get out of yeah, here. They're oh, super that's popular. crazy. And also a lot of these robot sex robots. Yeah, that's are, right. And a lot very, of oh, that too. Very similar <laughs> to that as well. Uh, Sean Flood, CEO of the Gotcha Group. Thank you for spending time today. It was great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on all your success. Steve, we, we don't ask people how you're doing. Uh, we ask them, tell me something good. It's Shaka Khan saying once upon a time and you hear right now so in this post thanksgiving we have so much to be grateful for i know you're grateful that i entered your life as well you should be so i'm very happy for you that you had the blessing of receiving me in your life which i know you you count those you just stole my day. thunder brother but no all kidding aside today was going to be me all about being grateful for you because i believe and this is the comments i'm hearing from around listen there's a lot of podcasts there's a lot of choices people have on where to spend their time. Yeah. This is legitimately the best 30 minutes in sales. You will pick up stuff that is actionable the minute you're done listening. Are these people that you owe money? They are people I owe money. Okay. Well, I owe money why, to everybody. Okay, that's why they're very complimentary. <laughs> you're awesome. I have fun you're doing awesome. it. I have fun doing it. The response has been great. Um, if anybody's interested in my personal one-on-one coaching and that stuff, yep. you can find me all over social. If you're interested in college marketing, these guys, everybody I put you in front of has transacted something with you, you know, yeah. because it's, a, group. it's an audience, so it's great. Uh, I tell you what, want to do it again? Want to do it again next week, Let's maybe? keep doing it. We'll just keep doing it until they tell us to stop. Keep doing it. Sounds good. Thanks again to Sean Flood, the Gotcha Group. Of course, Steve, and remember... Get the book if you haven't already. That's where you learn Confessions of a Serial Salesman, 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders that Will Change Your Life and Business. For Steve Newberg, Josh Cohen, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. Yeah,